Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Welcome to Beer Me on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. During my time in culinary school, I gained an appreciation for good beer and continued my studies in beer at grad school at NYU. Since then, I have been a beer director, beer bar general manager, and I get to continue to explore the beer world with all of you wonderful listeners. Every week, I will have a guest on the show to discuss different parts of the beer world, from brewers, importers, educators. This will allow us to examine the dynamic world of beer through different lenses. Whether you are new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. So before we dive too much into the show, and I would like to welcome to the show uh, Dr. Matthew Humbard, uh, microbiologist, yeast wrangler, soon-to-be brewery owner. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, so before we dive into our discussion today, there was some big news announced last week. Um, I'm sure you saw it all over your social media feed. Uh, that Boston Beer Company, maker of Sam Adams, has acquired Dogfish Head Brewing for $300 million, And they announced on Thursday. I'm assuming you heard about this. Yeah. Um, I'm on the news. You're on the news. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think? Um, it's difficult to assess, as, as far as I can tell, if this is a good news or bad news for the industry. Mm-hmm. It makes sense from Boston Beer Company's point of view. They don't have a very exciting brand, typically, and they've moved into things like seltzer and, and cider. Mm-hmm. It makes sense that they would pick up another brewery. The choice is curious. Um, Sam has said repeated, repetitively that he wouldn't sell to... Sam from Dogfish Head, yeah. Yeah, Sam from Dogfish Head, that he wouldn't sell to, like, a Budweiser InBev or anything like that, but selling to or merging with another craft brand sort of saves his credibility there, but mm-hmm. I guess it remains to be seen, right? $300 million is a lot of sequench, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. My, my biggest concern from the merger is Boston Beer Company controls a lot of distribution, especially mm-hmm. up and down the East Coast. And I don't know if that's going to affect people's ability to get their beer on trucks as opposed to Dogfish Head's beer on trucks. Yeah. So that's a lot of money. That is, yeah, for sure. We'll we'll see what happens. I know both companies, this was a mutual thing, so both companies will benefit from it. But Mm -hmm. the community as a whole, we'll see. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if this kind of sparks other, like, major mergers between kind of larger producing craft beer makers, you know? Yeah, it, it's very possible. Mm-hmm. There's been a few in the past that have been less visible because they haven't been quite as big. It would be hard to do one this big again, I think. There aren't very many competitors 
to Boston at their volume. Yeah. Um, especially now that they have Dogfish Head. Um, but it's definitely possible. Maybe maybe it's the era of consolidation. A lot of people think it'll strengthen the market because they'll that company is now big enough to be a real competitor mm-hmm. globally. But I don't know. I'm usually worried about the the five barrel system on the corner. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, well, we will, we'll see how this unfolds. Uh, and so I want to talk a little bit about what you do and why it's important, right? So (laughs) aside from your day job and where you do a lot of different things with the FDA, you are a microbiologist, trained microbiologist, and you do a lot of work with yeast. Um, so recently, uh, we were co-judges at the Pizza Paradiso uh, homebrew competition. Yeah. Um, and we had the episode uh, two weeks ago kind of announcing the winner and, and that kind of thing, which was very exciting. But you were t- describing to me the work that you do helping people kind of uh, fix any kind of yeast problems, right? Right. So um, with so many small breweries opening up lately, uh, most of them don't have the budget to hire a scientist or and or they don't have the expertise in-house to do their own microbiology and really when a brewery is suffering quality quality control issues it's nine times out of ten a microbiology problem they either picked up a contaminant or they're mishandling their yeasts and so we decided that we could provide that service leveraging my experience as a bench scientist and a microbiologist and my long experience with the craft beer industry to help small breweries in the D.C., Maryland area with their microbiology by literally showing up to their brewery and helping them by providing yeasts or by giving them advice or talking about their process to figure out how to improve it, improve their beer, and keep costs down. So let's back up here. So if a brewery can't afford a lab or somebody to monitor the beer, can you talk people through what that looks like? You know, what that lab entails, how basic can it be? And, you know, kind of what are some things that you're looking for that are red flags? Well, so very few breweries employ a a staff that that would run a lab, Mm -hmm. but it's a good investment in general for a brewery to do so because one of the most expensive ingredients that goes into a beer is pitchable yeast. Pitchable yeast is a yeast culture that's been grown to a specific volume for a specific beer. And there's no shortage of labs in the U.S. that'll do this for you, but they charge a lot to do it. In my opinion, they charge a lot to do it. Um, A brewery could have a incubator or separate vessels, something to plate out yeast, to, to purify it, mm-hmm. um, to keep their cultures pure and, and running for relatively little cost. Um, but it requires someone to be able to recognize, say, like what a yeast looks like under a microscope or to be able to use a microscope or what a yeast colony looks like, how to do yeast counting or cell counting, how to propagate, how to calculate the propagation, how to check the propagation, how to recognize signs of infection, how to fix an infection, because there's a way to 
re-isolate yeast out of out of an infected batch so you don't have to technically go buy it again all right so we're gonna continue to back up a little bit here just for the okay. sake of listeners so um at the very beginning yeast is vital to make beer yes it is it is a requirement it's a required ingredient to beer or yes. a required component of beer yeah so beer is a fermented beverage and mm-hmm. in order to ferment you have to have yeast that yeast eats the sugars and for lack of a better phrase, poops out alcohol and CO2. Did for, I just, yes, I just for the most part. Completely, you know, bastardized everything, but <laughs> very, very, very basic. Yep. So yeast adds to the alcohol and to the carbonation, but it also adds to the aroma and to the flavor, correct? Correct. So how does it do that? So yeasts, different yeasts will make different secondary metabolites so there's different kinds of compounds made during fermentation the primary compounds made by saccharomyces are ethanol and co2 99 percent of the carbon goes that direction Mm -hmm. but different yeasts different saccharomyces even will take a little bit of that and make other chemicals that they need for their own physiology and biology to build structures in their cells and different things and and those often have flavors and aromas so a hefeweizen yeast might make a chemical called isoamyl alcohol or, or isoamyl acetate sorry mm-hmm. and isoamyl acetate smells like bananas yes um that is a, a metabolic dead end for the cell and so it can't do a whole lot with that compound but it makes it in low quantities and we can perceive it yeah so that's why a benchmark smell for Hefeweizen, you smell it, it's going to smell like banana, cloves, bubblegum, and that is because of the yeast. Those are, yeah, that's because the yeast is making specific compounds called esters that humans can smell, mm-hmm. and they smell things like bubblegum or clove and banana and yeah. things like that. Um, that's a very small part of the physiology. Mm-hmm. So you can have two strains that are almost genetically identical, both Saccharomyces, and ferment them on the same wort, and they end up smelling and tasting different because of parts per million differences in these compounds. And so a Saison might make a lot of pepper, mm-hmm. but a American ale yeast might make close to no- nothing. Yeah. Right. So basically when you're brewing beer, whether you're a home brewer or whether you are producing beer uh, professionally, uh, typically you buy yeast, correct? From a company. Yeah, or, that's... Or, you know, at least in the beginning. Yeah, so most... Yeah, almost everybody buys yeast from mm-hmm. one of the yeast labs that stores and propagates these different strains of Saccharomyces. And they do this because you want to get a consistent, clean yeast. Correct, and, and it's available. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this is expensive, you had mentioned... It can be, depending on the size of the batch, it can be hundreds of dollars a batch to mm-hmm. $1,000 a batch of beer to buy a certified pitch of yeast. Now, what are the dangers of using a yeast that is uh, unknown? What do you mean by unknown? Like, you, you didn't buy it from a lab, you don't have a lab yourself, um, what can go wrong with yeast? 
so not all yeasts are suited well for uh, beer brewing. Mm-hmm. Um, so a long time ago, people used to use bread yeast to make beer, and it works, but bread yeast has a lot of additional off flavors that you don't pick up in bread because you bake bread. And since you raise the temperature of bread to 300, 400 degrees, a lot of that stuff evaporates. But you don't bake beer, right? So mm-hmm. the fermentation is a cold side process, so it happens after all the boiling of the wort and everything, and so you get less evaporation. And so if you get higher order alcohols, like like pentanol or something like that, or octanol, those taste sort of like gasoline to humans. Okay. And you can get those flavors from a random yeast. And so if you're not curating your yeasts, you're not going to get the end product that you want. And we live in a great time where we have access to hundreds of different yeasts, and they all have slightly different flavor profiles, and so you can play with them a lot. But if you're just going to randomly pick up a yeast from a flower or your bottle of bread yeast or wherever, you you have no idea what the what the flavor profile is profile of that yeast is going to be okay so that it means inconsistency and you know everything else that you put into the beer the malt water the hops the space the time all that costs money Mm -hmm. so if you're putting in a product that's all of a sudden going to leave everything up to chance and then you could end up with you know gasoline garbage then you've wasted all this time you waste all this money right okay that, that's why people don't do it. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with uh, Dr. Matthew Hubbard. Humbard? I'm sorry. Humbard. Humbard. Thank you. Um, and uh, Beer Me Radio on Full Service Radio. Welcome back to Beer Me on Full Service Radio, broadcasted live at the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I am your host, Sarah Jane, welcoming to the studio Dr. Matthew Humbard, a microbiologist, avid home brewer, talented yeast wrangler, and soon-to-be brewery owner. Uh, so we were just kind of talking about the importance of yeast uh, that is consistent and uh, clean and why you don't dump bread yeast into beer making. Uh, So let's kind of step back a little bit more. And again, this is probably all very uh, elementary for you, but how do you culture yeast? Yeah, yeast is actually pretty easy to grow. Okay. Um, It's usually the trick is usually to not grow it rather than to grow it. Um, So you can either... Our, our process right now is to either isolate a yeast from a bottle of beer or get it from a laboratory that's been working with it, and we propagate it on either solid or liquid media. So we make basically weak wort at home using dry malt extract or other yeast nutrients, and then we propagate it in a flask or test tubes, 
Um, we can pour petri dishes and streak them out on, on the plate to get isolated colonies. Uh, it's not a difficult thing to grow. It grows on anything with a simple sugar source. So maltose mm-hmm. usually is what it likes. But it, it can ferment a lot of different kinds of sugars, simple sugars. So the work that you do for breweries, can you kind of explain what that what that is and, and, and why it's done? Sure. The, the work that we're doing in our pilot program with the breweries we're working with is that we um, have either obtained yeast from our travels or from laboratories or from bottles of beer or from our individual work in laboratories. And we, we purify the yeast down to an appropriate level, usually to a single colony. And then we propagate it up to a pitchable amount and then provide that pitchable amount to the brewery. So the breweries tell us their brewing schedule about four to six weeks ahead of time and we raise and and stagger the deliveries to their brew schedule. So you have this library of yeast, um, all these different kinds of yeast from all these different places that are going to impart uh, different flavors and aromas to beer. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happens when there is a brewery that is having an issue with yeast? So if, there, if a brewery is having an issue with yeast... Um, how, stuff, how does that translate to, to the guest? Oh, it'll just be a bad-flavored beer. Okay. Or, or either an over-carbonation, or if, it, if you're looking at like a bottle, if a, a contamination oftentimes will manifest itself as an over-carbonation, mm-hmm. like a gusher, or um, an off-flavor in the final product, something that's not supposed to be there that's not... Uh, adding to the experience positively. Um, and then it, it's also just bad control, yeah. right? If you're not exerting control over your micro- microbiological system, then randomness is getting in and you're going to have a problem eventually. And so if the if brewery is having a problem, the first step is to figure out what, where the problem is, right? And so you can try to map where the contamination is and it's really just about understanding the process so what hoses do you use? What valves do you use? How do you clean your system? What chemicals are you using? How long? What temperature? Um, are you opening and closing your valves while you're cleaning? So you're cleaning both sides of the valve? That kind of stuff. Wow. Um, and so understanding that is how to find the problem. Mm-hmm. Once you find the problem, you adjust their process. You adjust their knowledge, just the baseline knowledge of the brewery. Like, these are the things that matter. We're an industrial system where you can't just completely disassemble it and scald it all with boiling water. Here's the times and temperatures and chemicals that work for this kind of contamination. And then let's talk about your your yeast hygiene, your yeast management, and how your brewery hygiene works with this process. Okay. So how does yeast management work when when you're a brewer? So yeast management is really just about knowing what organisms you need mm-hmm. and keeping them pure. And you can you can purify yeasts or bacteria because we can we can do either uh, any number of ways. You can either have a process that makes you confident in their purity and then check them um, either through 
genetic methods or physical methods of repurifying them or looking at them under a microscope. Uh, there's lots of lots of ways depending on how much you want to spend. I gotcha. So during the brewing process, you know, let's say if a brewery does have a lab or they do have somebody who is trained, um, is it during the fermentation process that they are taking samples and looking at it, you know, under a microscope um, or that yes. kind of thing? Okay. So if you if you have a microbiologist on hand, mm-hmm. there'll be real time sampling of the product for both. Fermentation health, which is, which is something most breweries don't monitor for, but probably should. Um, fermentation health and for contamination. Okay. And so um, contamination is, is a very complicated problem right now because of things like diastaticus yeast, which are Saccharomyces strains that secrete additional enzymes that continue to ferment the beer even after the yeast has been removed mm. or continue to break down the beer, break down the longer chain um, sugars so fermentation can continue. Um, past when people think it stopped, um, but that's that's become a very large problem because it's not even a contamination; it's just like an extra activity. Um, but you can monitor for all of this in real time, and so you would be taking samples a few days after pitching to make sure the yeast count is fine. Um, so, and what does that look like? So you're you're taking a sample and you're putting it on a slide, I'm, and, and you have to bear in mind I'm I'm thinking of this you know as a fourth grader who has like you know put a drop of something on a slide and put the little plastic piece on top of it and put it under the microscope. Am I so far That's accurate? Right. Okay. And then looking down through the microscope, you know, what are you looking for? You see, you had a, you had a dye mm-hmm. and the dye um, stains, differentially stains live and dead cells. Okay. And so the darker ones are dead. The lighter ones are alive. Um, so you count how many cells. So the slides you use are called hemicytometers. They're used to count blood cells, basically. When you go to the doctor mm-hmm. or the emergency room, they say, give me a CBC, which is a complete cell count, right? Complete blood count. And so they take a slide and they look at the blood under and they count how many blood cells there are and what kinds of blood cells there are. And it's the same thing with yeast. You just put them on the slide and you count how many are alive and dead. And then you calculate the percentage live, percentage dead, and how many active cells there are per milliliter mm-hmm. of fermentation. And then there's an optimal range that you need to be in to hit your targets. Okay. And that lets you know kind of where you are in fermentation. Right. Okay. How healthy the fermentation is, how likely you are to hit your target. Okay. And there are things you can do to combat any kind of issues. You can add more yeast. Okay. Or... Yeah. You can stop the fermentation process at some point if you need to. No, I mean, once you start, you can't really stop the fermentation process with yeast without filtering out all the yeast. Yeah. Um, and no one's going to do that. From from a yeast, from a practical point of view for a brewery, there's almost no such thing as overpitching. Um, you can only you can only miss low. Mm-hmm. You can't really miss high. Um, but there's a lot of reasons why you would want to monitor the yeast health if you're doing a especially high gravity beer you can get things like um dilution shock or osmotic shock to yeast where there's just too much sugar and they can go dormant to protect themselves um and so you have to monitor those are types of things you have to monitor a lot of mixed fermentation beers um, that are fermented with the bacteria and yeast will have a lower ph than Mm -hmm. the yeast is used to and so they can go into acid shock and they can stop behaving themselves on that end yeah. And they'll go dormant and they'll look dead under a microscope. 
And so you can, these are things that you can monitor. If you're just doing an IPA and that's all you do, like you're an IPA house and you're always pitching a very simple yeast, then it's probably overkill to check every batch every time. But there are breweries that do it. Yeah. And there are breweries that have their own proprietary yeast. Some. Okay. Now, you are in the process of uh, opening up a brewery. Yes. Patent Brewing Company, yes? Patent Brewing Company, Okay. Yes. So, obviously, you're going to have the best yeast around town. That's true. <laughs> um, but what is, the, what is the idea behind the brewery? Yeah, so the idea behind Patent is to almost be a showroom for the brewing industry and for people to come see what different yeasts can do in beer. Right, so it'll be a small brewery with a tap room someplace in Maryland. We haven't finalized our location yet, still mm-hmm. searching. Um, but it'll be a laboratory and a brewery so people can come and get the Pilsner we like made with the yeast we brought back from Germany and get a Saison we like from one of the 20 Saison strains we have. And and brewers can come there and try a organism, or beers made with organisms that only we have and order those yeasts from us to use in their own space or discuss with us their process and their needs from a chemical microbiological point of view nice very cool it's like a showroom okay for yeast for yeast and for hops because we have we're doing a lot of hop chemistry too really yeah oh explain away please so we're we've started we've started working with um basically essential oil distillation of hops okay. to extract out the aroma fractions from hops without any of the chlorophyll or any of the tannins um, that come along with dry hopping. Mm-hmm. I think dry hopping is a very popular practice in the industry, but it's done in a very inefficient way. Okay. And it wastes beer and it wastes money. So can you just explain real quick one sentence, dry hopping and, and yeah. how it's inefficient? So dry hopping is the addition of um, hops to a finished beer um, they're usually hops are soaked in a fermenter with a finished beer for about a week and then the beer is packaged um, from that tank or filtered moved out of that tank filtered and then packaged um, so you're putting the plant raw plant material into the beer to extract the only the aroma fraction out and the aroma and hops is a collection of oils um, that are somewhat soluble in ethanol, but not soluble in water. Um, so you can extract out the dry hop fraction that way. And so the plant material soaks up a lot of beer, and it adds a week of fermentation, a week of time in the fermentation tank. And so, so you're losing volume and time. You're losing volume and time. Mm. And so if you extract out that ex- that oil fraction and just add it to the liquid, you mm-hmm. don't add any time and you don't lose any volume. So that's that's what the process we're working on right now. And so how would this be, It would, this extract would just be simply added to the finished product before... Yeah. put it in the packaging tank. Okay, cool. That's a lot easier. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming in and chatting about yeast and dealing with all of my uh, fourth grade level uh, biology questions. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> um, so check out patent brewing company when you have a chance um you also have a really awesome podcast um that does a much much deeper look 
into the science of of brewing. Yeah, I'm I'm the co-host of uh, the Milk the Funk the podcast, and so you can Google that. Yeah, and it comes up pretty quickly. It's a podcast about the what's the tagline? The science of mixed fermentation of beer, wine, meat, and cider. Something like that. Yeah, no, you nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like I'm on the show. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm the scientific advisor for the show. And so there's three hosts, and we release a episode about every month, a little bit less than every month, but it's a long-form podcast, so. Yeah, definitely, you know, something to dig into for sure. So, yeah, check out, um, you know, keep your eyes open for Patent Brewing Company. And, Matt, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, come on the show. Thank you very much. Yeah. So this has been Beer Me on Full Service Radio, recorded live at the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, reach out on Instagram at Beer Me Radio or via email, beermeradio at gmail.com. Thank you all very much. We'll see you next week. Cheers. <laughs>